But before we do that, before we do that, I want to hand over to uh, the very impressive Joe Stone. Yeah. Come on, give her a round of applause. Come on. Yay, our one year anniversary is here, very exciting. Uh, Stephen did ask me to do like two minutes on what it's like to be a trustee. Um, always the overachiever, I keep want myself to write a little script about what we've been up to over the last year. Um, and it took me absolutely ages, <laughs> mainly because we've done so much. And it was really exciting to sort of think of the beginnings of Stephen Viv, so me and various others having corridor conversations about this church that they were going to plant and whether or not I might be interested in joining to being here with all of you today um, and it's a kind of amazing testimony to Stephen Gibbs' work and all of the energy and efforts that each and every one of you have put into being a part of this church. So have a read, if you have any questions ask anyone, if they don't ask, know the answer, go and ask somebody else, it's a good way to get to know people. <laughs> so, uh, I will do the formal bit about um, what it means to be a trustee. So, Stephen Viv, I guess, don't run the church purely on their own. So, there's um, various trustees, there's seven of us in total, and we govern and oversee what's going on in the church. So, Andy, you're talking from is one of our kind of in-house trustees. Diane gives a wave. It's our amazing secretary who minutes and actions us and keeps us accountable for what we said we'll do as a church and as individuals. Stephen Viv, obviously trustees. I am treasurer and trustee, so I also look after the finances. And then we also have a couple of external people, uh, Rahul Patel and Tim Bauer. So collectively, obviously, our job is to look at the leadership of Jesus through the church, but as we are a charity, we also have kind of a dual function to balance what we need to do for the charity commission and what we need to do under the authority of God. So we've got a whole gamut of things that go on in the church from the activities. We're not just a, a yes board necessarily to what Stephen would want to do. So we have on occasion said that we think that things aren't right for the church. So don't think that they just have totally free reign. <laughs> or that they generally say yes because they have good ideas, as you can see from the church. Um, we also look at areas that might be risky to the church. So how, what might happen in the church in terms of people, buildings, etc. But also what happens in the community, how we received outside. Any kind of regulatory responsibilities, legal responsibilities, or financial responsibilities. So that's probably about all I'll say for today on that. If you have any questions, ask me, ask one of the other trustees. Um, and in due course, we will be publishing our first year of accounts. I think that's very exciting for accounting. <laughs> Don't expect many people to share my enthusiasm. Uh, but yeah, we'll be sharing what's gone on financially with you. So you have a view as well of kind of the money that you give, the generosity that you show, what actually happens to that money, where does it go, and the results that you can see from being part of this church. So, the only other thing to do that Stephen and Dave don't know about <laughs> is to say a huge thank you. Yeah. 
with all of his animals on it. Um, they sent out a dove, and uh, the dove came back with an olive branch to show that there was land. But the olive branch really represents hope. And so we've got you a little present to say thank you. We appreciate everything that you've done, and we're so excited for everything that you will do. So as these grow, we hope that the church will grow. So thank you. small groups uh, at the back in the, we've kind of got an information desk, uh, grab a small group flyer. Uh, we've also got alpha courses starting uh, and so if you've got any friends that you'd like to come on an alpha course and that's just simply a, a talk exploring the Christian faith, please, please, please do that. And so next week we've got a newcomer's lunch. So uh, if, you, if you're exploring this church, you want to find out more, Next week at our house, we, we're going to have some more meat and some more vegetables, salad, uh, that kind of thing, gluten-free stuff. Um, so you're really, really welcome. So you can find out some of those details on, on our website. Um, so, uh, we love that scripture that Alexander read out earlier. It, it's taken from Isaiah 61, and it's, um, we've kind of made it our scripture for the church. Uh, it's all about Jesus, that the Spirit of, Je Spirit of God is upon Jesus. And he's called us as disciples and believers to go and take the good news wherever we go. Everyone, everywhere, every day, extending the good news of Jesus. But it expresses some of our values around compassion, about loving the community, but also demonstrating God's supernatural power that all of us get to play all of us get to do the stuff that Jesus did. And uh, so last year, last May, uh, Viv and I were commissioned by South West London Vineyard Church to begin this, begin this church plant. And there are ten of us who are, I think most of them are here, they're still with us. Um, some of them were sort of, they didn't really know what they were letting themselves in for. Um, but as a family, having sad, and, uh, and ten of us, we... Uh, we began sort of dreaming with God and um, what kind of church did God want to, uh, God want to create? And um, so the Bible, isn't it? It's full of prophecies. Uh, and prophecies really are simply words from God that predict the future. Prophecies edify, they encourage, and they, they comfort people. And uh, in a nutshell, prophecies are, are God's good plans in advance. And so we didn't have anywhere to meet. But at the beginning of last year, one of our, one of our friends from our old church, she, she had a picture in her mind, and she said that there were pictures of children's pets, like those ones that you'd get in nursery schools, where each child had its own peg, its own name tag. And, and the, the phrase in the prophecy said this, I, it said, like, God says to you, I knew you were coming. There's a place for you to hang your coat up here. It's always been there. 
he's ordained individuals who are going to come home and see that there's a peg that's always been there for them. And so we've sort of had that in our mind, that anyone is welcome. And so when we, when we looked at this place at the URC to start our job club, our job club was the first, first project that we started. The, the vicar, Helen, she said, do you want to come in and have a look at the rest of the building? And as we walked through, she said, oh, this, this is a nursery school. And as we walked through the corridor, we saw loads of pegs, children's pegs, with, with their name. And so I remember Viv and I were just... <laughs> and we walked into this place, and um, uh, she told us that we could use this place. And uh, it's been such a brilliant, brilliant place for us. Uh, and we got excited because we remembered God's good plans that he had for us in advance. So our job club uh, is our, our first project. And so we provide coaching, support, and group sessions to give people a helping hand back into work. We're very busy. We run it in here now. We, we're really busy. And we've coached. We were doing some numbers. There might be some numbers on your BBC and numbers. Uh, we've coached around 200 people, maybe just over 200 people, to create CVs, giving them practical interview skills, and we run confidence-building workshops. <coughs> Most weeks, we have people coming to us and saying what a difference the job club has made. And some weeks, we have people telling us that they found a job. And so we started again this, this last Monday, after the summer break, and uh, someone rang us up and popped into the job club. And I'd like you to welcome, seamless, um, Pavna. Did I say that right, Pavna? So, so she rang us up on Monday, we were in the middle of the job club, and she said, I just want to come along and tell you some news. So she hopped along. So first of all, how did you find out about job club? Uh, I walk around Nurni and Balham station, and I saw a sign about job club. And I called call Stephen, and I find your about your job club. I saw stack sign outside Bellum tube station. And so you came along and then what happened? Then people help uh, it's very helpful people here. I am I'm coming from India from this different part, like it's different countries. Very I'm struggling for get a job. It's very hard for me. And uh, it's India C V and DRC is very difficult. It's very different. So job people help me how to make CV, how to make, how to prepare for an interview. And this is very lucky place for me and I got job. Before I got a part-time job, and after some time, I got a full-time job. So she came along on Monday just to tell us that especially and she bought a cake for all the volunteers. So it was just amazing to have her. And so, we just asked her on Monday if she'd come along to church this Sunday to come and share that with us. So say hello to her after the service, please. We love, we love stories that are less than a week old. Because um, we know that God's doing something in us today, not three years ago. So, uh, so we've got amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, we've, we've loved gathering here. We're going to hear about some other compassion ministries, but we've loved gathering here to worship God together. Um, 
some of the unusual things that we, we've just been noticing God do is, is, is this whole area of worship and creating a, a thriving worshiping community. And God has been sending us and growing the team of worshippers, musicians, singers, songwriters, so much so that we feel like we're catching up with what God's doing. Um, our plan was just to impact our community that we'd love to see people get jobs, we'd love to see people with depression help, we'd love to see marriages restored, we'd love to see God heal people. We haven't really counted on God sending us tons and tons of musicians and singers. Um, but it's a core value of uh, the vineyard, it's a core value of our church, some worship. It, there are other kinds of worship, other kinds of things that we can offer God. We can speak his praise, like candles, burn incense in some sort of churches, give our time and our resources to him in worship. But nonetheless, the less God in the Bible, there's so many references to worship, it's unbelievable. Specifically around musical worship. King David, what he would do is he would collect a whole range of musicians and singers skilled people to play music and to sing spiritual songs. God, uh, through Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, encourages the early church to meet together and sing. And in Revelation, what's happening right now in heaven is singing. Worship, singing, some worship. And all manner of creatures and people. And it's all kind of sounds are going on in heaven. Worship what we believe is worship is the time and the place where we assign a deliberate attentiveness to God. The author and theologian Eugene Peterson, he writes, some worship is a strategy by God in which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and we attend to his presence. So we press a pause in our life and we, we attend to God's presence. Um, not because God's sort of confined to a time and a place, not because he only, he's only sort of listening at half past eleven on a Sunday morning, but because, because of our self-importance is so relentless, because the focus on ourselves is so strong, if we don't deliberately uh, interrupt ourselves regularly, we've no chance of attending to him throughout the week. So what we do here is we just... We pause, we attend to him, so that it, it, we then attend to him throughout the week. And what we believe is that some worship allows every member of the church, every member of the community to praise God. Individually, but together. There's something about doing, singing together. Uh, expressing this heartfelt praise to God. What I love about worship songs is they reinforce our theology. They reinforce what we believe about God. And uh, we believe that worship should be authentic, authentic, should be intimate, and it should have this element of encounter, of spiritual encounter. And I love, I love hearing, I've loved hearing stories like, Steve, when we sang, I was healed, physically. Just when we sang, no one prayed for me, no one touched me, no one came out the fog machine and <laughs> be healed. No one did that. It was just when I was singing, I got healed. I love that. Uh, or other stories, but 
where people have come from this, they've just literally walked down the corridor, um, down the alleyway, they've walked through into the church and just, I've just loved this music. Uh, we had a lady a few months ago, she came, just walked, wandered in, and she came in, and she just started crying, I don't know what's happening, I don't know what this is about. And I just said, it's good, isn't it? It's really good, it's really nice, isn't it? She said, yeah, what is it? I was like, it's God, this is God's presence. I said, she's crying, I've got some old tissues out, uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> We love getting rid of them. <laughs> love getting rid of them. And so I asked her, do you want to experience some more? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just pray. Open your hands out like it's Christmas Day and just receive this free gift of the Holy Spirit. It was brilliant. And uh, so we're just so, we're catching up with God, but we're so thankful for God sending us some, some great singers, songwriters, musicians uh, to help us worship. Um, we've been praying that God will send us worship leaders, and he's been answering our prayers. Uh, what I'd like to do is, if you're part of BBC, uh, and you're a singer, musician, or a worship leader, just stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up. If you sing, you're a musician, you play any kind of instrument, just stand up. Um, it's really unusual. It's really unusual. Great. Grab a seat, grab a seat. It's really unusual. Well, God seems to be doing something. He's up to something. And um, we, uh, we're just excited about some of the new songs that God's going to sing. Some of the new music that God's going to do. The gatherings to worship. The school of worship that we've got kicking off uh, next month. No, 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 no. The worship nights, where we want to regularly, deliberately attend to God. God has called us to create a worshiping community. And it's amazing. So, when we did our church planting school and various training that we've had over the years, and all sorts of things that we've learned, they've been really useful this past year. But one thing that nobody told us about, nobody kind of warned us about this, um, and we, we kind of weren't really prepared for this, and just heads up, cheesy, soppy alert coming up, was just the love that we would have for people. And nobody kind of prepared us for it. And if I look around this room, I see all sorts of people here that I didn't know a year ago, that we didn't know a year ago. And yet you've all been such a big part of our lives, and you are a big part of our lives. And I, I'm just overwhelmed sometimes with just the incredible love that Jesus has given us for people. And that's just something that, that wasn't part of our training. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's, it just blows me away. And what's been really moving too is just seeing the love that you guys have for each other as well. And just the way that lifelong friendships have been born here. Um, Jesus tells us in John 13, he says, Love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I love that we get to do that here. It's such a privilege. And in loneliness, it's such a big issue today. It's everywhere, isn't it? And, um, but particularly in cities like London. And whilst there's loads of challenges still in this area, I, I think we've had an incredible year where God has been making a home for the lonely, just like he says in Psalm 68. 
And we want to hear a few stories from a few people that have been part of this church over this last year and the difference that Jesus has made in their lives. So, um, why doesn't Steve, Hannah, and Ben? Yeah. Come on, Steve. So, Steve, how did you end up here? Um, well, I met you four, four or five years ago. I was sitting on a little wall on the opposite St. Chris, and Lord invited me to a house group. Uh, so, I went to the house group uh, only because they told me there was going to be a meeting in a pub. So, <laughs> so, I went there, uh, and then we started to go to South West, I was in Southfields. And, uh, so Paul Dad, he, he got me on the uh, setup team, and so I started helping doing bits and pieces, and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. And what difference has it made being part of this community for you? Um, well, I've met a lot of friends, and uh, I love coming here and helping out. Um, yeah, that's it. Steve is just a legend. Right. He's yeah. absolutely <laughs> Difficult, and then there was Steve, 
who was seeing God move, and I just needed that. And so in my days and weeks when sometimes it was hard to be in this country, having someone like Steve and others in this church who just were stable and going with God was what I needed, and he used you guys to, to just make my transition good. And here I am going strong, and thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. really amazing, Hannah. How did you come along to be part of this here? Well, I moved to London a year ago, and I'd been to a few kind of massive churches, because that was one of the reasons I moved out. I was like, I go to a really, really big church, um, loads and loads of people, like young people only, like that. Don't ask me why, but it was just in my head when I moved out. And my housemate was coming on here, and I was really struggling. I'd been here for three months, I hadn't got involved in one of these really big churches, because I just kind of felt a bit on the edge, like I hadn't got stuck in. And I was really, really lonely, but I wouldn't have admitted it at that stage to anyone because I had so much pride about it. I think people move down to London with like five friends and they're like, yeah, all my friends are here, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to hang out with them all the time. But they all live, you know, different places and I was just so lonely. And I got here on, it was like the first Sunday in January and a lady stood up and she said, if you're um, looking for a home in London, this is the place for you. And I just broke down. I was just like, I need a home, I need a family. Like, I'm so lonely. Um, but yeah, that's what kind of just really spoke to me. And just the community and the family feel here. You know, you've got brothers, sisters, mums, dads, aunties, uncles, little kids. Like, it's just so amazing. Like, um, so yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and what difference has Jesus made in your life this past year? Um, quite a big difference. I think what um, Steve was saying earlier about he's seen people come here with loads of junk and, you know, that they just need to kind of like meet with God and get through that stuff. I think that's definitely been me and I'm still going through that process. But it's just amazing to have a place where you can come with that junk and just not feel, you know, judged or embarrassed to be crying at the front, you know, and responding to God. and. Um, yeah, he's just continually working in me, and it's not a finished progress, but it's just a great space where you can come just as you are, and just, you know, yeah, meet the God and meet the amazing people, so yeah. Amazing. And she got baptised as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that's been really important to us, it's a, and it's the value of the kingdom, I think, is, is the welcome and the hospitality that we show people. And I think actually we have done this really well as a community and I think it's often one of the first things that people notice and kind of remark on is just how welcoming we are. And a phrase you'll often hear us say is there's always room for one more. There's always room for one more. And I want to introduce you to, um, to Ruth who's one of the most welcoming and hospitable people for such an integral part of this community. Situations. And I want to um, ask Ruth to tell us a little bit about her story about how God has done an incredible miracle in her own lives. I'll go as fast as I can. Um, so, yeah, this is very much um, it's my words, but it's our story. If you don't know Ruth, it's really awesome. Um, just a bit of background because this is obviously quite helpful rather than just what happened in the last year. But we've been married about six years now. Um, 
a year into marriage, we thought, do a thing, try for another little, a little garner. Um, I actually got pregnant really quickly, um, but then the, uh, the, the sort of joy was soon kind of shattered, really, when we discovered it was ectopic. I didn't even really know what ectopic cancers were. Um, for the science geeks, it's basically when an embryo forms but gets stuck somewhere on route, in my case, in the open tube. Um, and that was obviously terrifying, and I ended up in emergency surgery, it was all really horrible. Um, we sort of held on to hope for it all and thought, well, we'll try again and we'll see what happens. Um, sadly, what followed was two more ectopic pregnancies. Um, and all this really shook me, um, probably used to, um, and caused me to question where God was in it all. Um, but I, even though our consultant basically said that we'd never really conceived naturally, I did feel hope somehow inside that we would be parents, however that looked like. Um, fast forward to last year, and we joined BBC, best of some um, We were taking a bit of a break from all things baby related. When I say break, I mean obviously I still thought about it every single day, it was like a, a bit of a cloud, but we were also beginning to discuss IVF. Um, we found an awesome clinic, had a great doctor, they were really positive, encouraging, said we were great candidates. And um, once, once that kind of decision was made, I felt really relieved because I thought, well, okay, it might not happen naturally as such, but God will use this awesome technology and we'll get our miracle baby. Um, about this time last year, or they're about to be Christmas time, we were meeting in connect groups, which we hosted, led. And um, I was praying with a few of the girls um, about the IVF and just sort of saying that we're thinking about it, we pray for us. They all prayed for healing. <laughs> And I was quite annoyed. I was a bit like, yeah, okay, thanks, but can you just pray for the IVF to work? <laughs> they were praying for my tubes to be healed and you know, all this. Um, so in January this year, um, we were all sort of hosting a, a course group again, which actually was amazing. I can't remember if it's like on this week. And um, actually, treatment was one of the most precious moments of our marriage for me because it felt a little bit like a date, which sounds a bit weird, but going to the clinic nearly every other day. We kind of drive there and listen to worship songs on the way and walk across the river and chat and feel hopeful. And it was really, really special. Um, it all went really well, actually. And while the doctor only managed to get a couple of eggs, um, we were actually, we ended up with a really awesome end-grade, as they call it, embryo, which was transferred. And so the waiting began, the two-week wait. During this time, um, God really spoke clearly to me and to Bruce. Um, for me, I had not long been at church and I heard someone, I can't remember who it was, saying how God had woken them up at a certain time in the night and for them to read the passage that corresponded with that time. And while I didn't doubt that God could do that, I did sort of wonder, oh, would that ever happen to me? Like, I've never had him speak to me in that way. But bizarrely, one night I woke up at 3.20am and felt a really strange urge to read Ephesians, um, which says, those who don't know, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or imagine according to the power of work, at work within us to him be the glory. I did find it encouraging, but I didn't quite grasp then just how true it ended up being for us in our journey. To Bruce, hopefully I'm saying it the, the right way here, <laughs> um, he felt God say that the IVF actually wasn't going to result in pregnancy, but I, that I would be pregnant within three months. 
course, he kept that quiet from me <laughs> while we waited to see if it worked. As you probably guessed, it wasn't successful, and I mean, Justin doesn't even begin to describe it. I did what I did most often when I'm completely flawed. I retreated to my room, I ignored calls, texts, and home visits, watched back-to-back wrestling. <laughs> uh, in the raw conversations that followed with uh, Bruce, we grappled with it all and tried to, to work it out, and it became clear that I'd somehow become stuck with this idea that I'd never carry a baby, like I just couldn't kind of visualise myself pregnant. Um, a week after all this happened, BBC hosted its first worship night, um, and by some way of miracle I actually went, um, instead of just hiding at home. Sitting at the back, so there were only like a few chairs, and actually I had one. Um, I sort of tried to sing along, but you know that when you sort of try to sing along and you're kind of mouthing the words and you're, you're trying not to cry. Um, that was me all night long. Um, that said, it was really a precious evening for us. Um, as during it, Stephen Viv came to sit with us, prayed with us, cried with us, and was totally with us in our grief, and we're so grateful for that. Um, amazingly, by the grace of God, Ed and Emma were also there, who were the leaders of another female church in London. They'd actually had their own journey of getting their own family, so it was just what we needed. They, they were really real with us. They prayed prayers of real faith, spoke hope and truth over us. We were able to get stuck into some of the lies that I believed, and I left feeling so much lighter and more hopeful. In spite of all this, we didn't really know what to do next. We were still a bit at the end of ourselves and didn't really know which way to go. And it was actually some of our friends and family who felt the stirring that it could all just naturally miraculously happen. So we decided, with quite a lot of, uh, quite a lack of faith in my heart, that we'd try again naturally to see what happened, figuring that if it failed, we'd try IVF again, if it was another ectopic pregnancy. So three months following the IVF, I took another pregnancy test, um, probably early on, I couldn't wait, um, which to my amazement was positive. Um, looking back now, that Bible verse about God doing abundantly more than we can ask or imagine makes total sense. Um, it is so much more real to me. Um, a week later, I went to the hospital by myself to have an early scan. Didn't really know what I'd find. And when the doctor said that the embryo, this tiny little poppy seed of life, was in the right place, um, it was just like all those years of empty scans, like I've seen, I've had so many scans, so many empty screens, like it had just been revealed in that moment, it was, like, just insane. So now, here I am, 20 weeks pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really gone, too, in February. Um, it's still sinking in, I have way more scans than it's probably more scans. Um, we just thank God every day for his amazing kindness and giving us our miracle baby. But I think I just, one thing I forgot to say, because I shared this at Big Group, and I didn't have it written down, so I forgot it, was that as someone, I like grew up in the church, and I saw those people standing up the front saying about stories about healings and breakthroughs and miracles, and I never doubted that. But I kind of always assumed that they were like super spiritual people, probably even superhuman people. And I wondered, like, would he ever do that in my life? Um, but I think through all this, and this past year especially, I've seen that, that it's these moments, it's these moments when you're like at the end of yourself, when you're feeling weak and broken, when you have hundreds of doubts, 
and no faith, but it's at those moments that God just delights to break in. And that, like, he's just so faithful, he's so good, and he's so able, and he's a God of hope. That's so good. believe in a miracle working God. And um, what would be God's birthday present for, for some of you here if you needed a miracle, if you needed a breakthrough. Uh, I woke up this morning and I felt God say that there, there are people here today you need a you need a breakthrough. Whether it's in your body, um, whether it's in uh, finances, whether it's at work, whether it's relationships, whether housing, you just need a breakthrough. And um, we believe because God's done it once, he loves to do it again and again. Um, so if that's you, would you stand up? If you need a breakthrough, you need a miracle, you need God to do something, uh, this is a little bit awkward, but would you just stand up? Pretend no one's looking at you. Uh, God delights to... Just be those ordinary people like us. He loves to dis display the extraordinary God. It's like Christmas Day. We just hand God the things that we need Him to do. And we just receive this free gift. Maybe hold up your hand. Take a look at it. And now just receive. Receive God's goodness. Sometimes comes to heal. 